Um, so we are, we're going to be talking for four weeks about prayer, and I have grown up in the church. Uh, I was born really going to church. I've been going to church my whole life. Uh, my parents were uh, founding members of Faith Missionary Church, the church that, that Grace was kind of birthed from. And so I have been around church and church people my entire life. So I've been around prayer and people who pray my whole life. There was prayer in my home. Uh, we prayed before and after every meal. We prayed before bed. We prayed when we got up in the morning. We prayed when things were tough. Uh, we prayed when things were good. Uh, my dad, every night before I would go to bed, I'd go in to say goodnight to him, and he was always doing his, um, it just dawned on me, maybe that's why I love doing devotions and stuff at night, because of my dad. Okay, anyway, I'm just having a moment there. So my dad, every night before bed, he would be reading the Bible and spending time in prayer and, and devotion and communion with God. So I, we prayed in my house. Um, we prayed at the church I went to all the time, before every meal. And let me just tell you, when I grew up, Christians ate. We loved to eat. We were having meals all the time at church. So we prayed a lot before meals at church. We prayed uh, in services. We prayed before meetings, to start meetings, and after meetings. We had a Wednesday night prayer meeting every week. My parents never missed it. So I grew up around prayer and praying people. And... It was great, but I do remember that there were times that I would be around some of these prayer gatherings or prayer meetings, and it didn't feel like it was totally authentic. It felt like at times some of the people were using their prayers to, I don't know, gossip about, you know, through a prayer request, what somebody was doing out of concern for that person or that they were trying to teach someone else in the room a lesson, whether it be me or somebody else around there. Um, it just didn't always feel like it was truly prayer. Sometimes it felt more about them than it was about an encounter with God. But what I do remember vividly from my childhood were moments at night when I was in my room trying to go to sleep and it was dark all around me and I could sense God's presence in my midst. I could sense him right there in the room with me. And I felt safe and secure and comforted. And I knew I could talk to him in those moments however I needed to talk to him in those moments. He was there, there in that space beside me and all around me. And now I know that, that that was sacred space. Prayer is one of the most important, if not the most important, spiritual discipline that we can take part in as Christ followers. It's an essential aspect of discipleship and our transformation. And for that reason, we're going to spend the next four weeks in this series on prayer how to pray, to learn what prayer is, what it isn't, who it's for, how to do it. We're going to spend the series looking at what Jesus has to say about prayer in the book of Matthew, focused on the Sermon on the Mount. But before we dive in, I'm going to pray. Dear Lord, thank you that we can be here in this space. Thank you for those that are with us online. 
And what I'm praying this morning, Lord, is that we would encounter you this morning, that we would experience you um, as individuals and also as a community, as a corporate body, that we would sense your presence, that we would hear from you this morning. I pray that all the words that have been given to me um, are, are from you, that there's no manipulation here, but that this is all from you and that I would simply just get out of the way and allow you to work and speak so that um, everyone can experience you this morning. So I lift that to you uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be looking specifically today at Matthew 6. So if you want to turn there, we're going to be focused in verses 5 and 6. But I first want to give you a little background um, on what is happening in and around the scripture that we're looking at today. The Sermon on the Mount is found in the Gospel of Matthew, um, chapters 5 through 7. And in these chapters and verses, um, you'll find some of the most quoted uh, phrases of the Gospels, including the Beatitudes and the Lord's Prayer. And uh, the Sermon on the Mount uh, gets its name from the verses, the first verses in Matthew 5, where it starts. It says in, in Matthew um, 5, one day he saw the crowds gathering. Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. So his disciples, and, and for us today, we are gathered around him as he begins to teach us. And it's believed that this famous ser sermon took place on a hill overlooking the Sea of Galilee, which is now called the Mount of Beatitudes in northern Israel. It is here where Jesus delivers this famous message about what it means to be his disciple, what it means to truly pattern your life after his, what it means to live a life of humility and grace and love and not one of, of self-centeredness, self-righteousness and hypocrisy. And the section we're looking at today focuses on the thoughts and teachings about prayer. So I'm gonna start by actually, we're gonna be in this passage for the next four weeks. So I'm going to read the whole passage that we're going to be focused on for the next four weeks, and then we're going to focus in on uh, the, past, the verses for today. So we're going to start in chapter 6, starting in verse 5, going through to 13. So just read along with me, starting in verse 5. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, this is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, Go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need before you even ask Him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your, earth be, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. So that's the passage that we're going to be in for the next four weeks. But today we're going to focus on two verses, verses five and six. Let me repeat those for you. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. 
Don't be a hypocrite. Don't do or say things for the people around you to see and hear. But your audience is an audience of one, your Father in heaven. Jesus makes this statement three different times in the Sermon on the Mount about practices of his disciples. He knows that his disciples are going to give and serve. So he says earlier in the passage, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. Give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. He knows that they're going to fast. So he says later in the passage, and when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. He is making sure that they know that in all the practices and disciplines, you should not do it for an earthly reward. You do it for a spiritual reward. All of these things, giving, fasting, praying, you do for me and my kingdom, he says, and for your transformation, not for the kingdom of man. Not to have yourself viewed as important. Speaking specifically about prayer, he says, when you pray, verse 5, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in synagogues where everyone can see them. There were two main places where uh, a Jew in Jesus' day might pray in a hypocritical manner to be seen. They might pray at the synagogue at the time of public prayer or on the street at the appointed times of prayer, 9 a.m., noon, and 3. So they would maybe do it in the synagogue, you know, loudly where everyone could see them when it was time to pray in the synagogue or on the street. So people didn't normally stop and pray on the streets during these times of designated prayer, but if they planned it right, they could. So if they plan to make sure that they just happen to be walking down the street at 9 a.m. when it's a time of, of prayer, then they could make sure that because they're, doing, they're following the rules, they can pray out loud and everybody can hear them. Don't make a spectacle of your prayers. Don't go looking for opportunities where you can make sure everyone gets to hear you and see you pray. This is a fault in actually public prayer today when people pray to impress or to teach others instead of genuinely pouring out their heart to God. We've been there before. I talked about it, how I saw it when I was a kid. I still see it sometimes today. Maybe you've been there when someone next to you is like, dear Lord, I just want to lift up Kevin. I used Karen earlier, so I'm, gonna, I'm being even here. I want to lift up Kevin, Lord. You know that Kevin's a mess. You know he's a mess. And Kevin's sitting, you know, right there next to you. Kevin is a mess. Oh, Lord, Lord Jesus. He just needs a good counselor, Lord. If you could just help him find that counselor because he's really messing up this whole situation and he just needs to see someone, Lord. He needs to keep his mouth shut, Lord. If you could just really help Kevin, Lord, that would be fantastic. It happens. And we feel like if we sprinkle in enough Lord's it's going to sound holy and legit. But you're just trying to teach Kevin a lesson and make sure everybody else knows how messed up Kevin is. There's no reward for that. Maybe someone might think you're smart in the moment, but there's no heavenly reward. You are using God as a tool for your recognition, 
You are using God as a means to the end that you're looking for. That's not prayer. That's self-promotion and self-recognition. And it's an insult to God. Verse 6, but when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. We should meet with God in our room or in our closet. The idea of a private place where we can impress no one but God. The specific ancient Greek word for room was used for a storeroom where treasures were kept. This reminds us that there are treasures waiting for us in our prayer closet. But to truly understand why Jesus is saying all of this about prayer, I think we need to fully understand what prayer is. And to do that, I want to go to a passage in the Old Testament, in Genesis chapter 28. So if you want to, want to flip all the way back to the beginning, we're going to be in verses 12 through 17, but I want to set up these verses before we get there. In this passive passage, Jacob has deceived his father and his brother Esau, and he is fleeing from them. He's fleeing from them and from, from the deceit and the sin that he has um, participated in. And in, in this fleeing, he gets, he gets tired, and he stops to rest. And when he stops, he has this dream that starts in chapter 28, Genesis uh, 28, starting in verse 12, if you read along with me. As he slept, Jacob, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more? I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, What an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. In this passage, through this dream, I believe Jacob entered in to the true space of prayer. That staircase, that, that ladder that is commonly referred to as Jacob's ladder that he dreamed of, is a symbol of how we can enter into true prayer and communion with God. As we leave this world behind us and we ascend that staircase or ladder and God descends that ladder and enters into our presence, that is where true prayer and communion with God can be experienced. In that dream, 
Jacob entered into the presence of God, he experienced him. And God spoke to him. And that's why when Jacob awoke, he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. What an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. When you experience God, that is how you feel. Surely God is in this place. What an awesome place this is to be in. The gateway to heaven. He has entered into sacred space and God has changed him there. Jacob experienced God and it transformed him. And you see that transformation in the scriptures that follow. Prayer is not something you do. Prayer is something you experience. In the book, Going Higher with Prayer, with God in Prayer, A.W. Tozer says this about prayer. Prayer is not a ritual or the mumbling of phrases. Rather, it is experiencing the awesome presence of God. He also says prayer is not merely a process or program, but a sacred and holy activity. That's what Jacob experienced. And then he says prayer is discovering the presence of God in a way we did not know before. Jacob did not know that before. He wasn't aware of it. He says that. But when he experiences the presence of God in a powerful way, he knows he wants to be in that place. We ascend the staircase and leave the world behind because there is no place for the world in that experience of prayer between us and God in that sacred space. And then God descends to us and meets us in that beautiful place of prayer right where we are. Right where we are. Tozer also says prayer is not something we add to our life. Rather, it is something we ascend to. This takes intentionality and determination and time and space. You don't casually move into it. And it grows as we mature in our faith. There are steps on that staircase. There are rungs on that ladder. As we continue to pursue God and mature in our faith and he transforms us, we move a step closer. We move a rung higher. We move closer to him. We are able to leave the world further and further behind us as we move into that prayer space. The ladder or staircase is symbolic of the connection between heaven and earth. It established contact between man and God. And then Jesus fulfills that image for us. In John 1:51, Jesus says this, then he said, I tell you the truth, you will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. He becomes that stairway for us. We can meet God in that sacred space between heaven and earth because of Jesus. We have full access. Any time, any day, any place.
Prayer is that sacred space between heaven and earth where because of that access that Jesus gave him, we ascend to him and he descends to us. And that is where true transformation can occur. Again, Tozer says, I need to get to the point where I am coming up into his presence and allowing him to come down into my presence at his discretion. And when that happens, I will begin to see things like I have never seen them before. I will see them from God's perspective. That is special. That is powerful. That is beautiful. That is the prayer that Jesus is talking about, and you, my friends, can experience it. Just you and God closing out the world and the noise while you experience intimate time with him. That's why Jesus says when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you. Shut the world out and pray to your Father in private. To boast about that to exploit that is offensive. It's wrong. And you don't get a reward for that. But when you intentionally choose to enter that sacred space, you will be rewarded. You will see things from God's perspective. You will be transformed. You will be changed. I now realize that when I was a little girl going to sleep at night, and I felt Jesus all around me. That was my sacred space. Childlike faith. Experiencing him. We can tend to, to trivialize or minimize that personal, personal set, set it apart prayer time as it's not really needed or it takes too much time or what does it really do? But that space where we encounter and experience God in the deepest sense will change us. And you can express yourself to him in whatever way you need to. You can open yourself up to him and he will meet you right where you are. So many of us are looking for safety and security. That is safe insecure space. I spend most of my days in constant conversation with God, constant and continual conversation with God. It's how I survive. But entering into that intentional set-apart sacred space makes it possible for me to live, live in and practice the presence of God on a daily, hourly, minute-by-minute -minute basis. In the book, The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence, he says this about himself. This brother has become so accustomed to God's divine presence that he relies on it for help on all sorts of occasions. His soul has been filled with constant inner joy that it is sometimes so overwhelming. Experiencing these things makes this brother certain behind, beyond all doubt that God is always in the depth of his soul 
no matter what he does or what happens to him. When we ascend that stairway and meet God in private in secret, he fills us so fully with the Holy Spirit that we can feel and experience his presence all day, every day. And Jesus led by example. He took moments to be alone with God. In Matthew 14, 23, it says, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Jesus knew that he needed that sacred space. And he knows that we need it too. Life is too hard. We cannot do it without those beautiful sacred encounters with God, giving him room to change and transform us. Of course, we have times of corporate prayer, praying with a friend, times where we share that sacred space with people around us. We enter into that sacred space with the community that we're with. We're seeing that happen. We're seeing, I, I believe what, what might be happening at Asbury College right now is this sacred space that individuals and a whole community are entering into. And God is transforming them and changing them in that safety of his presence. But as followers of Jesus, our private individual encounters and experience with God is the most important and it is the place where true transformation takes place. If you are praying publicly and you have no private prayer life and you are not encountering him like this, then I'm not sure how good your public prayers are. Tozer again says this, every Christian is defined by their prayer life. And if we are not living in prayer, we are not experiencing the life God has for us. You have to make room for this space, sacred space to occur. Maybe for you it's morning time. You can get up and, and you can get going and this is how you start your day. Maybe, maybe you're like me and it's before bed, like me and my dad. I came by it, I came by it naturally. It's before bed and you can, you can live in that space. And someone said to me, sometimes I fall asleep when I'm doing that. He met Jacob in the dream. I believe he will meet you even in your sleep. Even in your slumber, he will meet you there. I have had dreams where he has spoken to me. Maybe it's when the spirit prompts, stop, don't ignore it and enter into that space. Maybe it's when you're weak or distraught or tempted, go to him, meet him there. You can also add things to this. Maybe you wanna fast along with your prayer time. Maybe you want to open up the scriptures. That's what my dad did. He always had the Bible open. And I'm telling you right now, every time I open the scriptures, he is talking directly to me exactly what I need to hear in like profound and powerful ways. Maybe you need to journal. You just got to write it all down. Maybe music speaks to you and you need to listen to, to worship music in the background as you pray. Maybe it's going outside. We've had some beautiful days for February. Maybe it's getting outside, or maybe I talked to somebody this week that it's movement. They can enter into that space when they're running or walking, and it's movement that moves them there. But I want to challenge you and challenge myself 
Can you find some space to do this? Maybe it's an hour a day. I know that's crazy. I know you think that's crazy. Okay, fine. An hour a week. Okay, maybe that's too much for you. An hour a month. Can you commit to setting apart time to meet in this space with God? That sacred space that he offers you between heaven and earth where you can meet with him, the Lord of Lords, and he will surround you and he will change you and your reward will be great. Thanks for watching, but don't stop there. We want you to find community at Grace Church. And the first step in doing that is going to gracechurch.us slash hub. There you'll find other sermons, details about upcoming events and other important announcements. And make sure you subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out when we post something new. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you next time.